Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. Today's guest will need very little introduction for many writers in the self-publishing space. Kevin Tomlinson is a prolific self-published author with no less than 40 books to his credit. But Kevin also hosts a podcast and acts as director of marketing for Draft2Digital. We'll speak with him in just a moment. But first, a quick programming note before we start. If you like what you hear today on the podcast, on any one of the nearly dozen podcast channels, or what you see on our YouTube channel at David Temple Author, first of all, we say thank you for listening. Secondly, I wonder if you take just a quick minute to give us a five-star review or click to subscribe to our channel. And thank you. Now, let's meet Kevin Tomlinson in The Thriller Zone. We're just going to jump right in here because like we knew what we were doing. I'm on the I'm I'm here on The Thriller Zone podcast with an old friend. He's an author, a podcast host of the uh, Wordslinger podcast and is in his spare time <laughs> He's a director of marketing for Draft to Digital. Yeah. Kevin Tomlinson. Spare time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Dude, for I, having me on, Dave. No, thank you. Uh, we've only been talking about this for years, so it's yeah. about time we did it. I had you on. No, I didn't have you on my show, did I? I've never had you on the Wordslinger oh, podcast. Yeah. And then I went and kind of, I kind of retired it a little. Uh, uh-huh. It'll be back. It's on hiatus, but I'll have to get you on. That would That's be not gr- fair. No, it's not. It's funny because I, I was drilling down on you and I'm like, he's got a, po- oh, t- 2020. Oh, it's not really today. Yeah, it's not active. Yeah. So as you know, I mean, we got on the road in a van uh, doing a whole hashtag van life. Uh, and it just, it got really challenging to keep things like that up. And I say that, and then I'm, I'm doing another show for, I'm doing two other podcasts uh, with um, one with Nick Thacker was another thriller author right and then i'm doing one for draft to digital uh nick takes care of all the production side for that podcast with that, that i do with him and then the one i do with ddd uh it's kind of a little easier to produce so well that's the way it goes <laughs> let me tell you someone asked me the other day said uh, you know they wanted to get on the show and so forth and you know well, i can do any day and i'm like well i've only got like really one day to record takes another day to edit yeah. And then maybe a third day, uh, you know, between preparing and then posting. I mean, it's, it's, you don't just throw these things together. If you, They look thrown together sometimes. Sometimes, but yeah, the yeah they look like they just sort of naturally happen. Yeah. So it was, when you're really good at it, no one can see the work, you know, that's the point, right? I you hope could, so. You've got it down. No one can see your work. So now you got to start showing your work, Dave. Well, it's the double duty too, Kev. It's the, um, it's the, you, you know, and I'm taking this from you, but, uh, you got the YouTube action going and yeah. then you got the podcast itself. Right. And because, uh, as you know, I came from a TV and radio background with the TV yep. background. I gotta, I gotta have all the bells and whistles. It's gotta look good. Oh, I know, man. I know. If, if it doesn't look good, you're, you're going to go, Oh, that's, that's why I feel so bad. We had this conversation for before the show started because my lighting is not great. And uh, the first thing I said, what did I say? Because <laughs> I knew, I knew. And if I could face the window, I would. But then you'd be, 
you'd be looking at a bunch of uh hanging laundry stuff yeah it's not we're kind of in a temporary spot while we wait for a house to be built so well yeah let's talk about uh, folks yeah. we're going to get to listen we're going to get to compromised his um very That's the new one yeah. yeah this is the newest alex kane thriller we're going to get to that but i, I want to get some background for folks who don't know kevin tumlinson which i i can't imagine anyone in this space doesn't in the thriller podcasting youtubing uh pop self-publishing world so we're going to get to that but now last time we spoke you were on the road we have a mutual buddy yep. uh a very crazy lunatic todd huey yeah and uh whom i haven't spoken to in quite some time but he introduced us and you packed up your house sold it and bought an rv yeah, yeah. and just hit the road right we've, we've done that. that a couple of times since since then actually so yeah we 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 sold we sold our first home we bought an rv mm -hmm. got on the road um and we didn't get to do everything we we had wanted to do we were kind of locked we sort we were sort of landlocked for a little while because my wife um Kara was working locally in Houston and you know so we would take some trips but we'd have to hightail it back to Houston and so there was a point at which we were basically sleeping in this like oversized tin can in a parking lot basically uh because we were staying in an RV park here in the Houston area so mm -hmm. we, we got off the road we got into an apartment and then another apartment and and we were out house hunting uh one day we decided we would buy a house and so we were looking around a little more and Kara says uh why are why are we doing this like why not just get back on the road for a while so long story short we ended up in a travel van a camper van so the the whole van life thing that's where we've been for we're going on about two years now um just moving around the country that was our COVID escape pod uh, during 2020, uh, we, nothing says social distancing like being 2,000 miles from the nearest, you know, human soul. So, uh, nice. you know, I did that, wrote books on the road, but now we're building a house. We're, we're building a place just north of Austin, kind of close to where, uh, not too far from where Elon Musk is is kind of settling in. So I was going to say, yeah, he. <laughs> we just announced this on a show recently. He's uh, he's bailing California, moving primary yeah. facilities to Austin. Yeah, yeah, and he's not the only one. It's a there's a big like I'm calling it Cal Exit. Uh, a lot of people are moving from California to. to oh, we Texas. know it. Yeah, we know it well. Someone asked us the other day about uh, <laughs> Tammy and I live in San Diego, uh, North County, which is Encinitas, so it's a little yeah. laid back hippie surfing town. That's what you want. It is so <laughs> delicious. Its thing is flip flops and t-shirts, and you know, fit right in, man. I business, would fit right in. Yes, you would. <laughs> Business meetings are usually on the beach or, you yep, know, yep. over a surfboard or a coffee or craft beer. And, or um, all the above. Or all the above simultaneously. <laughs> but there has been a mass exodus between the fires and the earthquakes and the taxes yeah. and the real estate uh, and ad nauseum. And, yeah. um, you know, we'll probably, we'll probably face that reality uh, one day as well yeah. because uh you know it's dude it's not to belabor it but it's tough to own a home here when your down payment is a quarter of a million dollars yeah exactly austin's sweet I, I we have had a lot of authors from austin on the show yeah. um, it's become a, a self-publishing mecca um yeah. i noticed that it started happening a few years ago um i don't know if you've ever met or maybe you've interviewed or talked to um 
Johnny, Sean, and Dave from the self, the originally the self-publishing podcast. Okay. Um, they were kind of OG self-publishing podcasters, really. And uh, Johnny Truant and Sean Platt, they're both in Austin now. You know, because of those guys, there began to be this this like influx of authors in that area. I know there's other things going on, but that was you know how i kind of learned about the self-publishing scene was from those guys i'm gonna start hobnobbing with all the local authors there for once without having to pay uh for a conference <laughs> nice i i thought i was really surprised when i and i know we're off the beaten path but screw it we are we can that's do the way and my whole life is off the beaten path man. beautiful i think that's the name of my next book <laughs> um but when I saw uh, Joe Rogan bail on yeah. Pacific Palisades to go to Austin, I'm like, holy balls. Now that's a move. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll welcome you when you finally come around. You're welcome. Well, I do want to see Austin. I've never seen Austin. Oh, man. Okay. Well, look, when we're moved in, mm -hmm. uh, you've got an open invitation. Come out, so, hang out. I'll take you. I'll, hopefully, by then, I'll know some some hot places to go. And hot dog. We'll, uh, we'll do it upright. All right. Well, there we go. That's our geography uh, lesson for the day. <laughs> but I do want to. I want to. I do want to spend a little bit of time uh, more about your background from this standpoint because, okay. I mean, let's talk about drafted digital because this was one of the very first tools I put my hands around when I got into the self-publishing world. Because what you do, and I'm going to let you explain it. Yeah. provides such an invaluable service to guys like me who are self-published on our way to being traditionally published, we hope, right. you know, fingers crossed. Um, so t tell us about Drafted Digital and how did you get uh, to be the director of marketing and find things? Uh, it, you know, it was one of those, well, first of all, Drafted Digital, what we are is a, uh, we're known as a, a publishing aggregator, which means that you can bring in your manuscript uh, as like a word file or, or whatever. We'll convert it for you to an EPUB um, and we'll distribute that for you to all the major retailers. Um, and our cut is basically we take like a 15% cut of royalties by the time it's all said and done. Um, it's like 10% to us, 5% to the retailer and you get the rest and you own your book. Uh, we don't own anything at all. Um, we have a whole bunch of like cool layout tools to make it look good. Uh, we got like this cover tool for, uh, print books. Now we have a whole D to D print thing now. So, uh, the, the, the point of drafts digital is to make it easy for you to publish and reach all the retailers, which means making more sales. So sure. we only make money when you make money. That's, that's our kind of claim to fame. And we are, our customer support is, you know, everyone loves us. If you Google draft digital and customer support, uh, we will blush because it's, there's some very nice things being said about us out there. So the way I came around to them, um, was because of the wordslinger podcast. I, uh, you know, I got into this space. Uh, I started publishing. It was doing pretty okay. Um, and I had the show. And so I started kind of bringing on people from, from this space because I wanted to learn more and I wanted to pick people's brains and have a good excuse for doing it. You know, I'm sure you can relate. Sure. And, uh, I brought on Dan Wood, who is, uh, now he just got promoted to the, um, chief operating officer of, uh, D to D. So he's, he's gotten a big promotion since I met him, uh, too, in fact. And, uh, he, um, you know, I, I interviewed him, talked about the program, talked about how things worked. And then when it was all said and done and we hung up, I said, you know, I own a, a small 
you know, private marketing company. Uh, I do a lot of copywriting marketing work. If you guys ever need a hand, let me know. Cause my, my goal was to get a foot in with draft to digital, just to kind of learn more. Uh, sure. It was like a month later, he contacted me, put me in touch with their owners. And uh, they're like, you know, at first it was going to be like this contractor thing. Uh, and I helped them launch their tool, uh, universal book links. And they just, they liked me so much and I liked them so much. We all started working together. So, awesome. uh, even as the books have done, have gotten better and better and done, you know, done better and, uh, now make me a very comfortable living, uh, you know, suddenly, um, I found that I was in, involved in this community that I just really loved. And so and with this group of people that I really loved. So that's, that's how the whole thing started and how it's going. That's a great story. I think also I did watch a, uh, one of your shows with uh, Joanna Penn. Joanna is one of those yeah. gals who, man, I've never seen anybody. She's not knuckle deep. She's, she's arm deep into everything she, between yeah. audiobooks and regular books and uh, PDFs and ebooks and hardbacks and she's she, a futurist she really is <laughs> she um, is and uh, but it takes people like her and you know people like her uh can prove to you that self-publishing uh, is the only way to go yeah um it's so funny and without this because this is about thrillers but i yeah. do like the talk of technology with it you can talk to a lot of people and go all the, they'll only feel validated when they get traditionally published. Um, right. There are those that Mark Dawson's that say, you know, I've been there, done that. I'm making more same. money here. Yeah. 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 So exact same. I'm one of those guys that sits on the fence because I haven't mastered the self-publishing to the level and degree that you have with 40 plus books. But, you know, and, and I probably still have enough of the naivete to think that traditional publishing is the panacea. But then I hear, oh, God, I just read something recently about the percentage of people who actually get any notoriety yeah. at all in traditional publishing is negligible. It's very negligible, yeah. In well, fact, if you don't come in with, an, with a platform and an audience, um, your chances of building one are very slim. So, and this is not down, I'm not down on traditional publishing, by the way, I'm actually currently working with uh, a publisher uh, for a side project um, and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I'm not opposed to getting a traditional contract. One thing that I, I did, and one thing that I think a lot of uh, indie authors are doing is, you know, you spend all that time building up your audience, building up your platform, uh, and when you when you do get to a point where someone's interested in you from the traditional world, you have a lot more leverage. Like I can actually dictate terms now where I, you know, before I couldn't when I had my uh, first contract, I couldn't do I, I didn't have any say. Uh, so now it's sort of a, you know, I don't need you. <laughs> you may not need me, but I also don't need you. So we, we can come at this as equals, you know. So that's a, that's a good feeling, but it's also a good business strategy when it all comes down to it. Like you're able to negotiate a much better deal than you would otherwise. All right, folks, let me do this real quick so that you get a, uh, a real good handle on who we're talking to here. We're, <laughs> uh, this besides compromise, which I began the show with, check this out. We've got an Alex Kane series, Dan yeah. Kotler archeological series, historic crimes crossover series, the standalone evergreen, 
the Lucid series with Nick Thacker that we heard yeah. mentioned earlier, the Think Tank episodes, a sci-fi series, a fantasy series, and a collection of short fiction. Holy bananas. I, I knew you were an avid <laughs> writer, but I really didn't have uh, my stupidity. I didn't have any idea that you had been at this to this degree until I really dove into your site. I, yeah, it's a lot. I, I've come to realize it's a lot over the years because I, to me, it was just um, on to the next project. You know, each time I'd finish one, I, I just immediately start the next one. It's almost like being a, a an avid reader. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just I'm telling myself I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a pantser, meaning mm -hmm. I you know I don't plot, I don't outline, so I just I'm what they call a discovery writer, and um, which by the way, you know Stephen King, he's also a discovery writer, so I'm in good company, right? But. Right. Uh, I would sit down and write it, write the book. And as soon as I was done, I'd, you know, it passed it on to editors and I'd go to the next book and that, that, you know, one after another, I mean, there was a time where I really was churning out a book a month, sometimes two in a month. Um, and those were, those days were exhausting days. I wasn't working with draft to digital at that point. So it was a little easier to uh, divide my time up for, for that, but yeah, that's right. what it, that's what it's about. That's what it takes. How many books total? Uh, and you and, and don't count the little short fiction, you know, hundred page dudes. Give me the. It, it, if we're taking the the short stories, the individual like novellas and stuff out, I mean, there's there's a good there's at least thirty full length <laughs> books out there. It's a hard it's hard for me to put a number on things like that because I have books in various stages of completion. I got you, you know? James and Patterson. So, go ahead. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. So, and then I'm partnered with some people for a couple of things. And so it's like, what, what counts as a book at this point? When you start looking into like, how long is a book? You'll see things like, okay, a novella is 30,000 words. You'll see that somewhere. But then mm -hmm. you'll find out that all of Ian Fleming's James Bond books were 30 to 40,000 words. Is now that you true? Start, yeah. Yeah. I've actually gone and counted. Yeah. You know, I did that whole calculation, um, like three or four of his books and turns out, yeah, they're like, 40,000 was a long James Bond book. So, <laughs> uh, and a lot of the Pulp Fiction books were, you know, under 60,000 words. Right. So now if you go by like National Novel Writing Month from uh, NaNoWriMo, right? Right. Uh, those guys, um, their, their word 50. target was 50,000, right? Uh -huh. So I read Chris's book, um, No Plot, No Problem, way, way back. He said in the book that, when he decided he wanted to try to write a book in a month, he needed a target. And so he just sort of arbitrarily landed on 50,000 words. So that's not like a set in stone length for minimum length for a book. It's just what he decided. Got so, it. But that's what a lot of people, I, I, I now use that as sort of my metric, but most of my books are in the 80,000 word range, somewhere around there. Okay, I want to break this down a second because this, <laughs> this this beats on the back of my head, Kevin, all the time. Because all right, I have Let's do it. all right here. I have the ability, I think, natural ability. I can. I'm just like you. I I sit down. I have an idea, just a, a seed of an idea, and I'm almost better at if I just run with it and go willy nilly. Yeah. Writing yeah. fifty thousand in a month for NaNoWriMo, NaNoWriMo, easy. Done yeah. it. My first three books were that way. Yeah. Then I go to conference. I'm not bad mouthing any conferences or whatever. I go to conferences and there, <laughs> you know, you'll hear certain agents and people not mentioning names. Right. 
Oh, you got to beat out the, the outlines and the systems. Okay. Here's the thing. So then I've studied, I've studied the, uh, uh, save the cat. Yep. I've studied the, uh, I'm not going to bore you a little bit. Snowflake. Have you done that one? Snowflake, uh, 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 Michael Hogue, uh, three story method. Yeah. There's, there's, there's as many different methods as there are stories almost. Yeah. And what, here's my bottom line. There are times, and this last book that's over my shoulder there, The Imposter, I did that systematically because I was damned and determined to prove it. I took yeah. the Save the Cat, Blake Snyder's uh, adaptation by another woman, and I, I did it to the, to the nth degree. Each beat was a certain way, each yeah. length. I mean, it was syst- it's scientific. All right. Was it as much fun? No. No, I wouldn't think so. But... What, now, uh, the gal who edited it said, wow, this, this hits all the points just right. Okay. Now, the sales have not been what the poser was, the one before that I wrote off the top of my head over yeah. a period of about two years. So I'll get to the bottom line. I don't think there is a A or a B, a better or a worse, a right I don't think or so wrong. either. I think that it comes down to uh, what works for you what's comfortable for you and how what what what's going to give you the i'm I'm an odds guy okay when i talk about marketing i tell people my my definition of marketing is improving the odds that the right customer will find your book at the right time the time they're ready to purchase it you know it's all about improving odds um when it comes to writing methods and writing techniques you can try every one there is. There's a like you said. There's a there's a writing method for every type of book, right? Yep. Or for every for every type of story there is out there, you can find one. But um, it doesn't matter if you've got the perfect outline if you don't actually finish a book. It doesn't matter if you you know have the perfect outline if if you write a book nobody wants to read. Um, that's so, a key. That's a key. <laughs> that's what it's come down to, right? So, and I'd say also, you know, you can't judge how well a book is written by its sales either because if you know there's a lot of factors that would determine whether or not someone actually picks up the book everything from the cover to the the book description you know uh to even just the little the little tagline at the top of the book's product page you know that could turn someone off um so you kind of got i hate i hate that we have to rely so heavily on things like reviews but it's really the only metric i know to determine whether or not a book's a hit because sales can be great, but if you're if you've if you're if you got ten thousand dollars worth of sales that month from that book, and then every single review is a one star because it's written so poorly, then did you succeed? I don't think so. You know, um, you succeeded at being an author. You succeeded at writing a book. Congratulations! And I'm that's definitely something to celebrate and be proud of. I'm proud of you. But uh, if you wrote a book nobody likes. They're not going to recommend it to anybody. They're not going to read the next book you wrote. So yeah, that's how you, that's how you kind of gauge. <laughs> well, uh, folks, Kevin's website is kevintumlinson.com. And if you go on there, um, uh, you're going to see real quickly that he, uh, you know, he's a guy who knows what he's talking about. Go to the books page, which I'm not going to drill down too far on this, but there's just book after book after book. But Kevin, I got let me share something with you. I literally saw this this morning. I usually get up around five o'clock, about five thirty. I'm just drilling through your website, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, look at that!" And here's some. Oh, my wife's in there having some coffee. I said, "Honey, you're not going to believe this." Now I've never told you this. 
Okay. This blows my mind. I, I, I'm going to come okay. back to your uh, all your. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> my brother-in-law, Tammy's brother, is Tim Bus. Oh, the Tim, same Tim Bus. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Tim Bus of Chicago Cubs, Bussy. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's him. He has two boys. I love these boys. These boys are are are, are gold. I love them. Right. I, I, we hang out all the time. I'm going to tell you their names in a second. And I hang out with these guys and I go, I'm going to write a series that's about you guys. And the yeah. oldest guy is Jackson. And the youngest boy is Sawyer. Really? <laughs> so I was tempted. It was originally going to be a character named Sawyer Jackson. Really? <laughs> the way I'm going to get around this without... Just so you know, this has been in the works for a couple of years here. I just haven't sat down and done it, but it's going to be the adventures of Sawyer and Jackson and the wonder dog Dexter, which is my dog. Okay. All right. So I'm going to be able to get around that. That's fine. So That's that you fine. don't look at me and go, we're going to end up in each other's also bots is what's yeah. going to happen. So but dude, how, what are the chances of that happening? That, how did you come amazing. up with Sawyer Jackson? Okay. Every year on Halloween, we have we get together with some friends, this particular group of friends, and we have movie and game nights for Halloween. Okay, and we were playing Seen It. You remember Seen It? Uh, where you play a DVD, and there's various oh, yep. types, but one of them is like TV. Seen it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, there was a, a question on there, and I forget the question, but the answer was, you know. Um, S blank, 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 uh, and then blank accent. And uh, the, it, it gave a little hint. And we had to, you had to, you had like five seconds to be the first to guess. And I said, uh, I saw it and I said, Sawyer Jackson. It was Samuel Jackson. And, and, but that stuck and it was so funny. So, but after it was all said and done, I said, you know, I'm going to have to write something with that name. Well, <laughs> So I'll either use it as a pen name. So I'm going on record now, or it's probably going to be the two characters. But I saw that I had, I could not wait to tell you that. That's so hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go back to this long list because the, 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 uh, the series that really is, it looks like it's put you on the map. And I want to talk about your book covers in a second, because these are dynamite. And that's oh, the, yeah, that would be the, well, it's a, it's a toss up, but no, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's uh, Dan Kotler is really your yeah. most prolific series, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. the big one, yeah. Like most good things in my life, it started with a dare. Um, somebody, Tell me about that. My friend, uh, my friend Nick Thacker and I were doing a different podcast than we do now. We were doing a podcast called Self-Publishing Answers. Uh, he's a, He's been a thriller writer since he started. You know, He's a big fan of like James Rollins and um, Steve Barry and guys like that. And uh, we were talking about so I don't even know what the topic of the show was, but it kind of came around that because I, at the time I was writing science fiction and fantasy and was pretty dedicated to it. I was doing pretty okay with it too. And he dared me to write a thriller. And uh, so I took that dare. And then I, what I did was I went and mined a bunch of my like story starters, you know, stuff, what I call my, my, my thirds uh, or first thirds. Uh, they were books that, I had started, but never finished. And I sure. usually wrote like the first third of it. Sure. So I started kind of mining all that to see, you know, if I had anything I could convert into a thriller. And I ended up grabbing like four or five different pieces 
and putting them together and uh, sort of reorganizing it. And that became the, it's, it's pronounced Coelho medallion and every, it, it's spelled Coelho, um, but it's named for Paulo Coelho, the, the writer, of, the author of the, the alchemist. Sure. Um, so that, that was the, the kick of that whole thing too, was that I wrote that book and it was filled with like allusions to you know, little in jokes about other authors. The character's name is Dan Kotler. He's named for Dan Brown and, Dan and Brown. Jeffrey Kotler. Um, you know, and, uh, inadvertently I named his buddy, I won't call him a sidekick cause I think he would actually come to life just to kick my ass. But, um, there's a character named Roland Denzel. There's a, um, he's a FBI agent and ends up being partners with, with Collar, but he, uh, he shares a name with a very, very good friend of mine now who I didn't know when I started writing the books, but I, I have a friend named Roland Denzel, uh, who is also an author. <laughs> so, and he's actually teased. He's like, I'm going to have to write under a pen name. Cause I can't, no one will ever find my books. Cause every time you type in my name in Amazon, your books come up. <laughs> so, um, I had no idea when I did it, that that would become my, like the series I'm known for. Like it just took off. It, it, it just, that first book came out in 2016. We had just gotten on the road in the RV. Like literally, I pressed publish on that book while we were sitting in a parking lot in uh, Iowa um, <laughs> to meet my deadline. And uh, it just exploded and people loved it. Uh, and I started, I put out the next one, which also had some author in names, uh, in jokes. Uh, it's called the Atlantis Riddle. And it, the, the in joke was, Nick and I had joked on air because there was uh, A.G. Riddle wrote that whole Atlantis series. And I said, well, I should, I should write a book called The Atlantis Riddle. And uh, so I did. And then that book took off. And it's just been one after the other now. I'm 12 full length novels in on that. I can't write them fast enough to satisfy the audience on those books. Dude, that's the best problem you could possibly have, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it is good. I won't lie. Who does the, the covers? Because they're dynamite. I do the covers actually. I, I, I have a design background, so I, I've been doing my covers since the beginning, um, which initially was all about saving myself that, that cost. Cause you know, self-publishers have to pay for everything. Uh, but then it just became, it, it kind of became part of how I finished the book. Now, like I, once I'm done with the book, mm -hmm. Um, designing the cover is sort of my cap to it. <laughs> Dude, these are probably the best self-artisted. I just hacked the hell out. You're, you're a writer. Yeah, writers yeah. are allowed to invent words. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are some of the best self-made covers I've seen. Now, I did a couple of my first, and they showed it. I think the average bear for a good cover is going to cost you I have found somewhere in that three to six hundred dollar range. Yeah, yeah. And and here's something that surprises me is when I run across authors who are really really serious about their craft, Kev, and then their covers just suck balls. Yeah. I mean, they're just so bad. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? How can you put that cover on that book? Oh, I think I, it looks great. I don't get it either. But there's a blind spot, right? I always tell authors, you know, you should take that cover, take the design that you think is good shrink it down right and then just overlay it on a page of amazon results for books in the same genre and and look at it and and ask yourself does this fit like does that look like the other books because you know everyone's always very concerned about they want a cover that's very original 
but that's not necessarily the best advice. Um, no. You want to cover that, that you really want to cover that reminds readers of the last book that they read and loved. You want them to, to see your book and say, I like books like that, and then go read that book. So being original is not necessarily the, the best plan. <laughs> Folks, that is a little gem. That is going to make the highlight reel of Kevin yeah. Pelmanson's podcast. Yeah, um, that is absolutely true. And I'm going to say this one more time. And I'm not, I don't, I try not to geek out too much over too much. I just need to keep moving on. But because I've studied them so long and I, it, it, here's the funny thing about good uh, cover. You, you look at it, boom, you, you know, in seconds, you know, in three seconds, if it's going to be good or not. And these are all yeah. hits. All right. I've done enough. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. And they, they didn't start that way. Of course, you know, I just like everybody else, I, I got my not so great stuff. They say the, the, you know, there's that adage that the first million words are practice. And I think that, that that really applies to just about anything you do in a way, it's almost easier to design the, the Kotler covers because they are meant to be this like Indiana Jones esque um, adventure books. They remind me a lot of the kind of books I read when I was growing up. But dude, they're so dense and they're so uh, complex. That's why I like yeah. them so much. Yeah, I like, and there's hidden gems in every single cover. Oh, um, of course there is. So, so I'm big on Easter eggs and and, uh, and hidden stuff. And yeah. uh, one of the things I did early on, I made a decision from book one, even when I wasn't sure I would even write another book, I made a decision that if I wrote a series or or wrote multiple books every single book I ever wrote would somehow be tied to the others. So even the sci-fi, the fantasy, all that stuff. In fact, I wrote, big reason I wrote those Sawyer Jackson books was because he's traveling the multiverse, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that I could connect every, all the other books, anything I write outside of those thrillers can still be connected by some little thread. So if you go book to book to book, there is some thread that connects it to the rest of uh, rest of my universe, I guess. So <laughs> not that you have the time, as we established at the beginning yeah, of the show. Time. But if you had the time, even for a little weekend crash course, I'd sign up for it. If you did a crash course on how to do layout for a book cover, I'd, I'd jump on that bandwagon, baby. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to consider it. But Kevin, you also brought up a really good point is that the people who are looking on Amazon, we'll use Amazon as the yeah. example, for that particular kind of read, they they know when they see that cover, I'm buying it. My mother right. used to do that. Oh, I'm buying it. It's an Amish romance store. I'm buying it. It's got an yeah. Amish. I'm buying it. I don't care what it says. When did this fascination of history and archaeology start with you? It had to be back as a kid. I got it. I mean, guess. yeah, definitely. Back, um, I still have things from when I was, you know, as young as like six years old that, you know, um, they would sometimes send out. So my family subscribed to National Geographic. We, I remember there being this bookcase full of them, you know. Um, and so I was constantly looking through that stuff. Um, they would send promotional materials that had images and things, right? Like uh -huh. the, the Great Pyramids, or they'd have like the sticker that would be uh, uh, one of those like reflective, uh, you know, hologram. shimmering a hologram, right? Uh -huh. uh, that's exactly the word I was looking for. Uh, and it would be like the, the all-seeing eye or something. So right. I have um, these big like poster board size pieces of art paper where I drew stuff and put that stuff on it to make my own like maps 
treasure maps or, you know, whatever. Um, and then I would, I loved Indiana Jones. I, I watched, I uh, watched that over and over again as a kid, um, anything that was related to that. And, but as I grew up, w- the weird history was the stuff that always caught my attention, you know, which is what the Kotler books kind of started as still are uh, the sort of quirks of history, you know, um, things like, you know, the latest Kotler book is called the demon core. And it's, it's, it's a sort of what if story, like, you know, what if, um, cause there was a third uh, plutonium core that did not get used on Hiroshima. So there was, there was little boy and fat man, the two bombs that were dropped on Japan. Sure. And there was a third that would have been, uh, but it ended up going to uh, Los Alamos where two like idiotic scientists within the span of nine months killed themselves by being morons uh, you'll just have to read the history just to back and see get the backup on that uh but they they basically did something stupid killed themselves and some others and uh so they melted that core down but it got the nickname the demon core because of that um those incidents so i wrote a story that was sort of a what if someone had stolen that and replaced it with something that got melted down and their intention was to to sell it to the highest bidder, but then something goes wrong. History g- goes on without recording any of it, and then someone in the modern day discovers it and decides to put it to work uh, as a as a uh, as a dirty bomb. <laughs> two little uh, tangents here for you. A little two two uh, one degree of separation. A little known yeah. facts. My great uncle worked uh, was part of the crew that worked on um, Fat Man. Oh, okay. And number two is, uh, you're a fan. Uh, have you ever been to Disneyland and seen Indiana Jones and Temple of the Forbidden Eye? So no, because I've never been to Disneyland since since I was maybe uh, an infant. I've been to every one but the one in California. <laughs> when you <laughs> go, when you go to the one in Disneyland, yeah, and you go into the ride and you hear Indiana Jones swinging from the rafters and doing all that stuff, yeah, that's you. That's my voice. All right. Okay. A little claim to fame. All right. Well, then I will definitely. Now, you didn't do the voice for the one in uh, Disney World then. My contract was only for Disneyland. Uh, okay. That was back when I was working in Hollywood. You know, we've talked about this other series, but let's yeah. talk about Alex Kane. Let's talk about this gal. She's yeah. she's an ass-kicking machine. She is. She Smart is. little cookie. And why does she have, uh, why does she have this guy on her tail? So the premise of that, um, Alex Kane uh, invented a, uh, a quantum-based AI uh, that is basically a skeleton key for anything digital. She can essentially just glide right through any sort of digital security. Um, she can use it to, it's, it's smart, so it can kind of do things on her behalf. Um, uh, it was intended to, she had originally intended it to sort of revolutionize personal data security for the world. Uh, but of course, people saw the potential in using it in the opposite way. And that got her, uh, that brought her to the attention of certain entities uh, in the world, like world governments that were um, bent on owning this, or at least keeping other governments from having access to it. So she ends up being framed for espionage and um, murder, her, her business partner, Mm-hmm. Uh, is murdered by the Russians of all things, but uh, huh. see, she's framed for that and framed for espionage, uh, framed for being a traitor to her country. So she is the single most wanted person 
on the planet at this point for a variety of reasons. So she uses this AI to stay one step ahead of everyone, but because she's a noble soul, she, uh, she does the whole A-team thing. She, she goes and helps people who are um, basically disenfranchised by the people who are supposed to protect them, the people who've fallen through the cracks of like the FBI and the CIA and that sort of thing. All the alphabets are chasing her. And I, I love this notorious that uh, con man that uh, thinks that she's uh, fallen right into his web, but she yeah. is uh, she's a smart cookie. I love the fact that you've got uh, a gal who is this kind of superhero. I'm a big fan of uh, female superheroes and um, that's what she feels like. I do want you to uh, help me understand what you call it quake, but it's spelled Q-U-I-E-K. Right. So break that down for me. That I, I, stands for quantum integrated encryption key. Uh, and much like the origin of the, uh, the acronym SHIELD from Avengers, uh, it is an acronym that was specifically created so that I can make the word quake. Uh <laughs> and this technology, excuse my ignorance, this technology does not exist in any way, shape, or form that you know of? It, or? in fact, does exist, perhaps not to the level that I've uh, developed it in this book, but, you know, it's a combination of a variety of technologies that are real. Uh, quantum computing is real. Mm -hmm. uh, AI is real. Mm -hmm. um, this this is a uh, could-be technology, uh, something that is sort of not quite, like, self-aware or anything, and it doesn't talk to her or anything like that, but what it what it does is respond to her. And in, and in this book, I actually have her experimenting with some new ways of communicating with it that I haven't used before. So it, it's, it was a lot of fun to write that. <laughs> what do you think about AI and the way that it's going? I just saw a robot recently on the news that it was standing and was walking along a wire and balancing itself by reading all the algorithms of balance and the space mm -hmm. around it. Unlike a lot of folks, I've never been afraid of the idea of artificial intelligence. I'm very much excited about it. I do see how there could be a, a kind of danger, um, but I don't think it's a danger we could prevent. Like, it, I don't think it's anything we could we could navigate around. If there's going to be a rise of Terminator-like machines, there's nothing we're ever going to be able to do about it. It's going to happen with or without us. Right. Um, but what I see in the field of AI is how it is just opening doors to some incredibly useful um, tools for humanity. You know, things like, uh, I mean, if you really think about it, like if you've got an advanced enough AI, we have technology that can, uh, if someone has a spinal cord injury, we have technology that will allow uh, science to bypass the damage and send signals uh, to, the, to the body beyond the damage. Well, an AI could actually manage that uh, and actually help assist in uh, getting people walking again, getting them to use uh, prosthetic limbs, getting them, you know, all the things, uh, maybe even uh, helping them to restore sight. I mean, artificial intelligence has the has the potential, at least, to open some doors to assistive technology like we've never seen before. So. And isn't nanotechnology, the uh, machines that are able to go into the body uh, as small as a cell practically yeah. and help repair and or destroy cancer and teach the body to 
to eliminate certain things. And there I mean, has been a lot of experimentation <laughs> with developing nanotech. Um, I forget the name now, but there's this element, <laughs> carbon-based element that they've created that is a superconductor. They've actually built tiny little robots. And they're not the robots like we think about. Like they're not a bunch of circuits. They're essentially one or two cells that are sort of pro programmed uh, to with like, they call it like um, mimetic movement, things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot that you can do. And, and if you can get to that level and have control over something that can say move a cell. And if you have say a cancer cell, you know, there's no reason we couldn't create technology that could go in and if not eliminate that cell, then move it out of the way, maybe pass it along into the urine stream or something, you know, sure. just, it's very clear that Alex is going to be around a while, uh, yeah, as evidenced by the popular. end of the Yeah, very, very <laughs> uh, evidence at the end of the story. Now, let me ask you this. There's three stories, shaken, triggered, and compromised. Right. What is next for Alex? I, you, you, I'm guessing there's a fourth one out sitting there on the shelf for you right there now. There will right? be. I'm not, I've not written it yet, but I do know what I'm writing. Um, I, I, I have a couple of different titles that I'm, I'm kicking around. Once I land on the title... I will uh, write the book. The, one of the big things that's happening with Alex Kane, though, is I created this idea of the historic crimes. That's a, it's a sort of brand new um, law enforcement agency in, in the U.S. Um, it sort of evolved from like a task force to become it's an agency of all of its own. That's where, that's sort of the future for Alex Kane is she'll have her own ongoing series but she's also going to be interacting. This, this may be how I bring some of my early stuff forward for my oh. current readers. <laughs> All right. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. So I noticed you dabbled in uh, fantasy and sci-fi, as we mentioned, but you, yeah. you really have made your home in the world of thrillers. Is that, is that safe to say? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to go back and write more sci-fi and fantasy stuff, but most of the books I write now are in the thriller category. So. Dude, I'm just going to say for the record, I'm very impressed. I'm very well, impressed. I, I mean, it, yeah. and it's not, you know, it, this is not candy, popcorn, rainbow, whatever I'm trying to say. This is good, straight ahead, uh, page turning thriller stuff. Well, so, I appreciate that. Yeah. And well, that's the thing, right? Now, this is, I don't want anyone hearing this. If you're an aspiring author or will be author, um, do I don't, what I don't like is for people to get discouraged. Like I I've been doing this for a very long time. I've been writing, you know, I've been writing professionally since I was 12 years old, you know, getting paid for it. I, I, I and I was writing, I wrote my quote first book. It's like five pages on notebook paper when I was like five, you know? So I, I mean, I've been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, I don't want people hearing numbers and getting discouraged. You know, yeah. if you're not, if you're writing a book a year, you're still doing something amazing and you should be proud of it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's what I, that's, if there's any takeaway, I want it to be that okay. <laughs> for the author community. <laughs> and dude, really, when you think about it and let's be real pragmatic about it, by the time you come up with a solid idea, yeah. do your research prepare prepare can be outlined you can pants yeah. it or you you know you can outline it <clears throat> by the time you do that and then i like to live with an idea for a while I, I, i'm 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 golfing or i'm surfing or i'm hanging out with friends or i'm riding the bike or playing with a dog and i'm all yeah. ask my wife i'm always percolating i'm always stirring that pot on the back of the stove and i'm like right. what about this and what about that and 
Oh, what if he has a friend like this, dot, 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 right? And so by the time you do that, and then you sit down, and then you write the first draft. And a great upcoming episode <clears throat> with um, with David McCloskey's talking about uh, bringing your groceries home and putting them on the counter. Yeah. And that's draft one. And then mixing them together, that's draft two. And then baking it or cooking it, that's maybe draft three. Simmer it and then serve it and accoutrement on top might be draft four. The point being, you know, by the time you do all that, now you're, it's easy. And then you hand it off to an editor and beta readers, et cetera. So yeah, back to your point, a year, that's great. You just happen to have been at it for a long time and your golf swing was probably sucky on day one, but you practiced for so many years and now that swing is pretty decent. And I've got it on good authority from early reviews that all my writing sucked when I first started. So (laughs) (laughs) I have it on good authority. All right. Do you, one of my last questions before we roll into the uh, rapid yeah, fire questions, what's the end game? What, when will you know that you have arrived or do you feel like there's a point where you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm there. Do you feel like it's already there? Or do you think if I can get, what's the summit that you'll feel like you can kick back and smile and go, yeah, I got, whether it's money in the bank or another yeah. house or whatever that thing is. I mean, officially, um, I won't stop writing. They'll find me like face down on my keyboard with like pencils taped to my palsied monkey paws uh, so that I can keep typing to the very end because deadlines don't care if you're dead. Um, But the, in terms of success, I mean, I I was telling people that I was at the uh, novelist Inc um, conference in in St. Pete's beach, Florida last month. Uh, One of the biggest author conferences, the most successful authors, in the uh, in the business go to this conference and uh i was talking to some folks and and i i actually said you know i i really do feel like i in terms of success i've already hit what i thought would be success i've already reached it and the thing about success is there's two there's two concepts i think everyone everyone author or otherwise should know or should keep in mind first success is a process not a destination it's it's all about what you're doing right and the second is success is what you bring with you, not what you get out of it. Um, I bring success to, to this business, not the other way around. I'm not working for success. I'm working because success compels me to work. So that's, that's really what it all comes, kind of comes down to. There's no actual end game for me. Like death, death is the end game. And I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and believer. So I believe I'll probably, God's probably going to put me in front of a, a keyboard uh, once I get up there. Um, or I hope he does. And you'll be doing the marketing <laughs> plan for his next uh, crystal cathedral or whatever. Right. Golden building, whatever. You yeah. can do worse than, than writing for the, the guy who authored the best-selling book of all time. <laughs> True. All right. As we begin to wrap up, I want to hit you with a few rapid fire questions. Some are going to make sense. Some don't. It doesn't matter. It's my way of kind of just getting to know my buddy. Okay. Kevin. If you could do anything in the world, and, and you can't say right in here, so I'm just going to take. Oh my gosh! Here. Okay, you took away the only answer I ever give. Go ahead. Money, right. money is of no consequence. Do anything else besides write. You can still do writing on the side, but you can do yeah. anything in the world and 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 with reckless abandon. What would it be? It's hard to describe what this would be. I would open basically a Disney World esque uh, community park and you know space like a a resort of sorts 
for okay. the everyday common folks. That's what I would do. Mostly for writers. I don't think it mostly for writers. That yeah. is, I have never heard that answer before. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Okay. Here's a strange one. All right. That, you, that one wasn't strange. All right. Well, no, that, that's pretty normal. <laughs> if you came funny. back in another life and just bear with me on that phrase, Mr. Uh, no, no, I'm good. And you can be either a tree in the forest, an eagle in the open sky, or a lap dog of some rich and famous person, which would it be? I would be the eagle. Uh, that's very suited to my independent nature. Yeah. You know? Okay, you've just returned home to find your house is on fire. Yes. Your wife and your pets, they're out safe in the yard. And okay. you don't have children, I'm pretty sure of that. No kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you have to run into the house and rescue one prized possession. You're not going to get burned, you're gonna, but you can only, only have enough time to come in and get one prized possession. And you, that's something you can't live without. What is it? Uh, the, the only thing uh, that I know... And you're asking somebody, by the way, who's downsized and gone almost minimalist uh, for this whole van life thing. Uh, That's why so I'm asking. bear with me. Uh, I would have to make sure that it, if I had nothing else, I had my iPhone. And not because I love my iPhone so much, but because I, I've literally written books on my iPhone. And yeah. I, that with that tool, I can rebuild. Okay. Last question. You and your wife have taken a cruise, but found yourself on a deserted island. Thankfully, you have managed to have on hand some matches for fire, a filter for drinking water. You're a Boy Scout after all. Yeah. But the only entertainment in your backpack is a book and a solar-powered MP3 player. What is the book and what's the genre of music? I would say favorite artists, but you know sometimes that's too complicated for people to get their head around. So I'll say genre of music they're listening to until the Coast Guard comes and rescues you. Okay, now am I having to entertain both me and my wife, or just me in this scenario? <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna say you because I'm having the interview with you, and okay. she has her own book. She's over there, got her nose All buried, right. and you can't use the Bible. And it can be a genre of music if you can't quite get your hand around or head around one artist. Uh, I would, uh, the book I would carry with me would be Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. That's the book that started it all for me. Um, genre, if I, if I'm down to, if I'm picking as much as a genre of music, I'd have to go with, um, uh, I think I'd probably go with like blues, R and B. All right. That is going to do it. Any questions you have for me, young man? Uh, oh man, I, I, you know, I, I am, uh, honored you allowed me to come on. I'm sorry. I had to beg for it. So. <laughs> So you would have gotten there eventually, <laughs> dude. Uh, it's all good. I, I was I was making my way to you. I was I was teasing you when I reached out about it. I know, uh, but I am I'm very glad that uh, you and I we I know we don't we haven't talked all that much. We've talked a handful of times and uh -huh. on the phone and what have you. But uh, we do have our good friend Todd in common. But you know we we kind of go way back. So yeah. um, I've I've been very impressed by everything you've done. I'm, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but no, you haven't. Uh, Thank you. You're an incredible talent yourself. So uh, I'm uh, honored to, uh, to be able to share some airwaves with you, man. Yeah. Thank you. It has been fun. Um, and I'm, you know, I feel like it's just the beginning. I think this thriller zone has taken off. Uh, it's bringing back my first love, which is radio, which I yeah. kind of turned my back on about 20 years ago. I mean, I put in 25 years and then I stepped out for 20 years, but I'm back in and I feel like I'm home again. So yeah. I, I, I love podcasting. I, I miss radio, um, but, you know, this is 
probably better in a lot of ways. Dude, it's the only thing uh, that isn't the same is we both made, uh, I can speak for myself, a lot of money doing that. And I'm making uh, very little money now, but I'm doing it for the love and the money will come. I, I've always believed that. That's kind of how I started that career. Yeah. And, and it is better, Kevin, because our radio is everywhere. Right. I was just doing some metrics on this show and we are being heard around the world and it shows me where they're popping up and what cities yep. and yep. it's insane because you can take it wherever you want. Whereas terrestrial I, radio, I have it? more listeners in Australia and New Zealand yep. than I had my entire radio career. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Australia so, loves us for some reason. I, it's the, it's the, it's the accents I think. They like the American accents. I did so much research on Sydney, Melbourne, and the Gold Coast that yeah. I've doing between Google flyovers and just deep research yeah. that I feel like I've been there. And I, I really, I told Tammy, I said, babe, we got to, we have to go there sometime. Well, congratulations on this phenomenal success of all these different series. Dude, thank you so much for your time. Let me get yeah. out of here and uh, get working on this. Okay, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kevin. It was great to catch up with you. Now, on next week's show, The Thriller Zone is happy to welcome the writing duo of Mullen and Mabry. Steph Mullen and Nicole Mabry will be on hand to discuss their latest gripping thriller, The Family Tree. Number one New York Times bestselling author Lisa Gardner calls The Family Tree a taut and timely tale that keeps the shocks coming right up to the climactic end. I hope you'll make plans to catch all the fun. And thanks again for listening. That's it for now. I'm David Temple, and I'll see you next time on The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.